and welcome to the Sarah Explains It All podcast. I am Sarah, the founder of Sarah Burn Wellness, and I am here with Tonya Winchester. She is super cool and super amazing. I'm going to pass it over to her in a moment to say um, who she is and what she's all about. But thank you so much, Tonya, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So give us the lowdown as to who you are. Great. Well, I have been in practice as a naturopathic doctor for 15 years. And more recently, within the last year or so, I have certified as a brain-based transformation coach. And I blend these two things in this beautiful marriage to help change people's minds so that they can change their habits and change their lives. I need a bit of that. Thank you. <laughs> Where do I sign up? Uh, that sounds amazing. And I think not like I'm going to butcher this, but naturopathy, the, the study of being a naturopath is so fascinating to me. And I think more and more people are turning to that holistic approach. Um, and I'm sure you found that in your own practice, particularly the last couple of years, I feel like more and more people are turning to nature um, as opposed to, and there's nothing wrong with antibiotics. I am not saying that you shouldn't take them. I'm just saying that you shouldn't take them for everything under the sun. I'm an 80s and 90s US American kid. So I've definitely taken my fair share of antibiotics. Um, <laughs> not saying that it did me many favors, but that's not why we're here today. We're not talking about that. We're talking about your journey to remembering your self-worth, which I'm super yes. excited to dive into because again, I think a lot of people, women in particular, can resonate with maybe not feeling that they are worthy of things at times. And I'm sure you've come across that in your practice and in the work that you do. So let's dive in. Let's get started on your journey to self-worth. Yeah. So we're talking about the menstrual cycle here and my menstrual history specifically. And when I started menstruating when I was 12, I had terrible periods. And I don't remember this, but I remember talking to doctors about it at the time. So I would be in so much pain that I would pass out from having my period cramps. And that caused a lot of problems, just being able to attend classes, being able to, I was a, a dancer. So being able to, you know, show up for dance classes and we did a mm. lot of performing. So being able to reliably say, yeah, I'm going to be on stage at the right time for this, for this show was really tricky. And uh, well, around the same time, you know, becoming sexually active, the birth control pill was the next offering from the medical profession for me to you know manage both of these two issues right not wanting to have a baby and then also these horrendous cycles and not knowing much about options at that time that was what I agreed to and said yes to and so I was on the pill for five years and during that time my cycles were fine you know I had a period they weren't eventful it was definitely a mask of what was going on physiologically for me. And 
at age 23, I would have been, I came off the pill after being on for five years and, uh, and things were just terrible from uh, a period perspective. I would vomit every month, have diarrhea, often just be bedridden for three days, not being able to barely stand up, let alone, yeah, meet commitments that I promised, breaking, breaking promises all the time. This continued on through naturopathic medical school. I would miss exams because I would be in my dorm room vomiting into a bucket. Um, just horrendous. And <laughs> yeah. And also equally, like whilst your story is extreme, I think many women can relate to missing dance recitals or whatever it is, or missing cancelling commitments that they've had or not being able to make exams or classes. And, you know, whilst your story is one end of the spectrum, I think many women can resonate with a story of not having the best menstrual cycles. Yeah, I think it is a fairly pervasive thing. And definitely I've had the luxury and the privilege of hearing a lot of women's stories over the years in practice. And frankly, mine has always been the most intense from what I, yeah, isn't that fascinating, hey? And so I was around so many experts in wellness as I was studying as a student, all of my professors, my uh, clinical interns, everybody in that four-year time is doing their best to help me with this, various herbs, different lifestyle practices, um, you know, acupuncture, running the gamut of trying all of these solutions and things things never proved or maybe they would improve one cycle but then the next time it would just be back to the same old story and it was really disheartening and I carried a lot of shame around it because here I was studying to be this naturopathic physician and I couldn't even manage my own symptom picture uh, at that time in Toronto, when I was studying, I had an ultrasound. And so I had talked to a doctor about this. I had never heard back. And in Canada, where I live, generally the paradigm around this type of thing is no news is good news. And so then from then on, since I'd had that ultrasound and had no appointment about it after, the diagnosis just became primary dysmenorrhea. So just Un, uh, 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 period cramps with no quote-unquote cause so no fibroids or you know um, disturbances that would cause this pattern and that was a really hopeless moment because now there's 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 no diagnosis I guess there's no and, light at the end of the tunnel you're just like well yeah. So yeah, this, this is your this, life. This is it. And that's exactly what would come from subsequent conversations with doctors is that's just who you are. That's just your body. That's just you. And the number of times I heard that over the next years, years, uh, was I should, I should definitely have kept a tally because it would have been an appalling number. Oh, that's just you. That's just how your body is. And uh, going through these cycles of like, okay, there's this new herb that I've just heard about, like, I'm going to try this and getting a bit of hope and then being let down the, in the following cycle. Yeah. And can I just, sorry, interrupt and ask, were these gynecologists that you were speaking to? Because where I'm based in the UK or in England, we obviously have the NHS and everyone thinks it's amazing. And it is, it's great for 
people who you know are um what's the word I'm looking for have um things like diabetes or heart stuff like if you have something that needs relative regular care and checkups it is amazing do not get me wrong but when it comes to things like women's health GPs just generally do not have the knowledge and now because of the pandemic the NHS is really really stretched and overwhelmed but even before that they would very rarely recommend you or send you on to a consultant so was it a gynecologist telling you that this was your lot in life or was it just sort of a normal family doctor type person I don't know how it is in Canada so yeah so you need to see your general practitioner to be then referred on to specialists and no I had never been referred and I had never asked and you know that advocacy piece that we'll be talking about I didn't have it in me at that stage in my life to say, no, like we need to take this a step further. This can't be just, this can't be the way it is, right? This can't, this can't be the normal, right? But I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if I had been in your position, I, I had been raised to not question what yeah. the, jo- the, the doctors or the GPs or whomever were telling me because they were clearly way more educated than I was. So I feel as if I would have also been in a very similar situation where I wouldn't have fought or advocated for myself either. Yeah. Yeah. And here I was as at this point now I'm a licensed naturopathic physician. Like I understand I had the same education as these people. And yet I still wasn't able to be like, no, no, please take this to the next step just do another ultrasound. Let's just see, maybe there was something on the old one and I just didn't hear, who knows? But I didn't, I didn't take those steps. Uh, Interestingly, there was one year in my history where there was zero symptoms completely. And it was after I'd broken up with this boyfriend that I was dating and it just wasn't a good match, a good fit. And for an entire year, I was symptom-free, which was super interesting in the history. And it was when it was a year later when I started dating again, that the symptoms returned. And I was like, Oh, very interesting that there is some Mm. kind of like mind body belief structure, something, something happening in combination with what's going on physiologically. So that was just a really interesting, like, um, inflection moment, I suppose, or, or something that kind of said to me, maybe there's something else going on. Anyways, fast forward to, uh, this past, maybe let's say 14 months ago. And so these symptoms have been continuing, the vomiting, the diarrhea, the nauseous. I would be in a visit with a patient and say, oh, excuse me for a moment. And I would go and throw up in the toilet in the clinic. Like, <laughs> it's just, oh and, and being terrified, being terrified to make plans, being terrified to plan trips. Um, I don't know how many times I had to cancel things like that or, you know, mm-hmm. be on a road trip with, literally with a bucket in the car. Um, I was scared all the time. And this is part of the topic we'll talk about in just a second, but I was in fear all the time of what the next period was going to be like, what it was going to do to me, what it was going to disrupt in my life. And that's so disempowering. Yes. You know, and I was really like, feeling very hopeless, because literally with all the naturopathic medicine tools I had, I'd seen colleagues, you know, again, the GPs that I didn't try, like, just no answers, right? And so it wasn't until about 14 months ago, when I was bleeding in between my cycles, which was not something that I was comfortable letting go on. And I guess that was my 
straw breaking the camelback moment for me when I was like, no, like my body is screaming at me that something is up. And so I booked an appointment to see, well, it was just a phone call. I think this was during, yeah, it would have been during COVID. So no GPs here are seeing their people in person. They're all phone visits. Uh, another topic for another time, but this, <laughs> my physician had actually just moved back to Ireland. And so there was an interim doctor in place and we spoke on the phone and she's like, okay, great. We'll get you queued up for an ultrasound. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Great. And, and she was standing up for me and I was like, yeah. And so within a month, which is very quick here in Canada, you get triaged into the imaging system. And sometimes it's six, 12 months before you actually get mm -hmm. this type of work done. So her and I had a conversation. Let's just say it was early January of last year. Let's just say. And by it was two or three days after my birthday. So let's just say 25th of January. I don't remember the exact date. I was in for my ultrasound. That was fast in our yeah. system. So she, she escalated my issue and, and made it happen quickly. Within a week after that, once the ultrasound had been, you know, interpreted by the radiologist, I was speaking to a gynecologist. This was fast. And I just started getting this momentum of this, like, wow, people care about me and, and they're, they believe me. And this is, this is really exciting. And it just started to turn on this fire inside me that was like, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm worth figuring this out. And I'm, I'm valuable enough to like, get to the bottom of this. And the gynecologist said, okay, so we found a couple things in your uterus, one of which is, I called it affectionately the dangler, but basically this, this mass that was kind of dangling into the middle of my uterus from the wall. And the way that the gynecologist described it to me was so brilliant. He said, you know, it's like every time you have your period, your system's trying to expel this thing. So think of it like looking like a raindrop essentially of tissue in my uterus. It's trying to push that thing out and it's giving everything it can to like force that mass out. And, uh, and he's like, okay, we, we have two options. We can, he said, the definitive option is to do a hysterectomy. And I was like, thank you, male gynecologist. I'm going to choose to see what option B is here. Yes. <laughs> what is the, the less definitive, the definitive, just take it out. You know, I, I can't believe that that needs to be true personally, just based on my value system. But, um, he said, okay, the other option is we go in and we remove I'm going to use my word, the dangler and, uh, and see what happens. And I was like, great, let's, let's go for that. So even just the ability to like choose the option, mm. I felt more and more empowered and hopeful. And so there was, so this is me and him are talking, let's say mid February by early April or maybe mid April, this, the surgery is scheduled again, this is fast in this, in this timeline, year. right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and sadly that date had to get bumped because one of his patients who was pregnant went into labor and they had to do an emergency C-section. So I think it got bumped to like two weeks. Still, I was like, wow, this is fast. Right. And I was so moved by how kind and sweet everyone was at the hospital. I interacted with probably 10 or 12 different staff members from techs to nurses to, you know, the anesthesiologist, the surgeon, everyone was so kind and caring and uh, underwent the procedure. Um, everything was fine. It was benign. So non-cancerous. They removed the dangler. 
The interesting thing was up until this point, so starting the same time, January of last year, I started doing this work in this brain-based stuff that I mentioned in the intro. And it allowed me to go into this with so much confidence and strength and no fear whatsoever, just a complete assurance that everything was going to be completely okay. So we had these sort of two roads intersecting and I can't separate which was more beneficial, to be honest, but the marriage of those two things happening at the same time after the procedure was over and since then, so it's been, well, we're nine, 10 months now, I've had the most brilliant cycles, like I hardly bleed at all, I'm not overflowing into my pants all the time. I don't feel sick. I can eat a full days of food. I can exercise. I get to go to my dance classes. Well, not now we're shut down again for dance classes, but like this fall has just been absolutely miraculous. And I feel like I've got my life back and I don't feel afraid every day anymore. And that is because of the tools that I've learned to work with my unconscious mind. So the two things together, the procedure and this new brain that I have, I'm going to say, have allowed me to actually look forward to my cycles. What an opportunity I have now as a woman to cleanse and release and reflect. So that's my journey. Wow. <laughs> and point. like, what a journey. And also, I think just that revelation when someone else was advocating for you, that you're like, wow, I am worth it. And sometimes, a lot of times, I think we need that external validation for us to start switching that mindset that we have that we aren't worth it, or it is our lot in life to bear or well, you're a woman, that's just what you have to do or sorry, it's just going to be painful for the rest of your life, you know, and I think it's such a beautiful well, beautiful ending because of how you've managed to come out the other side and you don't have these horrific um, bleeds anymore. But just the beautiful marriage, as you said, of finding someone to advocate for you and then starting to advocate for yourself. Um, and that's fantastic. So did you have any sorts of tips or tricks from your I'm going to mess this up, but like your brain, unconscious mind stuff that really helped you to have a more positive outlook as to what was coming because it had been such a negative bleak picture that had been sort of painted for you for years. And then all of a sudden you had this light at the end of the tunnel um, experience. But was there anything that you have done based on your training and your learnings with your uh, subconscious mind? Yeah. So, you know, reflecting back on that, this is the first time I've shared this story publicly, like really my husband, my sister know the depth of this, really not many other people do. And I look back on that and it's entirely traumatic, like the entire menstrual, menstrual history is just trauma mm. after trauma after trauma, like each cycle, a new trauma. Every time I'm, you know, puking out bile, like I'm oh. literally emptying out all my body fluids for 12 hours, like trauma. And I'm so grateful that I was able to find a tool and have people practice on me like the students that I was learning with this process last winter 
uh, practicing these trauma clearing models on me and, and practicing these clearing of negative emotions from my past on me, all of which I was just like, okay, we're just practicing, you know, this, this cool new stuff. I had no idea how, you know, on that side of things, I had no idea how it was going to change, literally change my mind. And so I, I'm going to say I cleared the trauma of my menstrual cycles. I cleared the, the early traumas that maybe led to that pattern physiologically. I, I can see now that relationship that I ended and had a really beautiful year without any symptoms, like that relationship was misaligned for me. And when I chose to honor myself and my truth and that my body was like, Oh, thank you. Like, this is what I've been looking for. And so there was just, just the work that I was doing in that time that helped so much. And then the other thing is, which I'm going to continue to do for as long as I can imagine every day, I, there's this little neurological trick that we, we have something called a timeline in the work that I do with clients now. And the little trick is you float up above your timeline into the air where there's no emotion up there because you're not down associated into events. You're dissociated from anything down in your timeline. But the little neurological quantum trick is I float out into the future to 15 minutes past the successful completion of my next cycle in my mind's eye. This takes 10 seconds to do. And I turn back and look towards now above my timeline. And this is a really fascinating quantum position neurologically because after an event is over, there you can't have anxiety about it anymore. It's done. Fabulous. Right? I like it. <laughs> yeah. And so I've continued to do this day in, day out. As soon as I open my eyes, uh, actually, typically my eyes are still closed, but I'm cuddling with my cat at this point. I just go up, I float 15 minutes past the next successful completion of my cycle and I turn and I look toward now and I feel great and I start to smile and I, and I look back and I'm like wow what a cool cycle that was amazing like another great one like and I'm going to continue to do that because it's 10 seconds of my time and it's working <laughs> right and that's what we need we need something that yeah. works and I would like to just say that trauma because this is something that I've only recently learned in like the last year or so when I think of the word trauma, I think of children who have been abandoned or have dealt with death or, you know, trauma in our childhood and trauma in our adulthood is not always the worst case scenario. And I yes. think it's important to remember and to think back that there are times in all of our lives where we have experienced a form of trauma, whether it was something that carried on or whether it was something that was an instance and then it was done. You still have that within your DNA and within your subconscious mind. So anything that we can do, tips, tricks, practices yes. to help minimize the trauma and there are lots of practices we can do to work through the trauma so the things that you, your coaching sounds like is very trauma-based um emdr is very good for childhood trauma um but also to just remember that trauma doesn't always have to be the worst case scenario it can be anything that your mind views as not something that was very nice. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, I, I call it big T trauma. Yeah. Things yeah. That we 
we would traditionally, you know, abuse and yeah, neglect and alcoholic families. Like it doesn't have to be that big. Yeah. Right. But you're right. It's anything that we experience that changes how we see the world. And it's like our unconscious mind creates these new filters and those new filters are then how we experience what's going on around us. And with a bias for what we now believe to be true. Like I have to be, I have to suffer as a woman, as an Mm. example, or, um, you know, being a female is hard. And these were old stories that were part of my narrative. And I think a lot of times, and I don't know if you can resonate with this, but I think a lot of times we don't realize that we have those filters or those stories playing, right? Like it is just how we are. We just think it's normal. (laughs) I think it's normal. I'm talking about myself here. Yeah, Um, well, that's it. And that's because your unconscious mind wants you to believe that it's normal. And frankly, coming with a little bit of compassion for that type of thing because your unconscious mind is always trying to protect you it's yeah, always it wants trying to, to keep, keep you safe, safe. exactly so everything that it does is trying to make sure that you stay okay and so it's going to filter your world so that it corroborates the belief that it's established to keep you safe Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of women can start to think back and maybe they're listening to this conversation and they're thinking, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's just even to open up our minds a little bit, you know, we are, as long as you are, you know, that you are in a safe space It is, and obviously work with a professional if you've got trauma that you want to work through, but there are little things like this rising above your timeline. That sounds like it's relatively harmless to try but even if you know that you're in a safe space to just start to filter through some of those thoughts that you have and go is that or is that if that does that make sense like that's how I do it (laughs) yeah you can start to sort of challenge like if you're and a great a great way to do this is when you're finding yourself sort of in that automatic trigger response like okay there's dishes on the counter and you just find yourself like and you can just start to kind of cue in and question like okay okay I'm having a response to this like what would be the purpose of having this response like how is this response benefiting me what would have to be true for me to have this response it's a great question So here's the trigger. Here's the behavior. The behavior is not something that you want. What would have to be, what would I have to believe to be true about myself such that when faced with that trigger, I have this response Mm. and you just start to like unpackage your internal, you know, way of seeing the world. And when you can say, well, that doesn't need to be true, or that's not true in this instance over here, you can start to find evidence and examples of when it's the belief doesn't hold up, it starts to, it, it can't hold its weight anymore, right? It starts to dissolve. Yeah, and unravel. Yeah, that's right. And that's when you get to reclaim your power, reclaim your worth, rec- reclaim your value, because you've questioned, yeah, Wait a minute, is this really the way that I need to be seeing this? Yes. And I love that. And I, you know, I talk a lot about in, you know, my menstrual cycle awareness that I help women to remember, remember what their body was born knowing that society helps us to forget um, or those filters help us to forget. And I love that. It's a reclamation. It's a remembrance of 
mm, let me let me really get to the bottom of this. Let me really get to the root cause of why I'm being triggered and acting based on this. And I do, I love, and again, they're such simple questions. And if we mm-hmm. just take those first answers and not try to think yes. too deeply, you will yes. probably go, wow, <laughs> I had no idea that that was what, wow, you know, and, and it's quite revolutionary, I think. Yes. And you're so right. You have to take that first answer. So the unconscious mind is fast, 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 right? And then the, the conscious mind, the one that can be really tricky, it likes to be clever and it mm. likes to be right and smart. And those things take time. So if you, if you ask one of those questions, like, what would I have to believe about myself that I would behave this way? And you get this thing like, oh, I don't have anything valuable to say or something like that, or nobody hears me or, or whatever the little, you know, pop-up is. And then you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's ridiculous. That's your, your conscious mind trying to like, (laughs) yeah, to keep you safe. And I think as well, you may find, or at least I always find that there's a few narratives that are always the same. Like I was I had a call with a coach earlier today and she was saying, you know, like, what does this? And it's like, oh, well, I, I'm not worthy. And she's yeah. like, it is the same story every single time we, we talk is that there's this self-worth, this lack of self-worth that comes up for me in, in a whole host yeah. of things. And I think, do you find that with your clients that there is sort of one to two sort of um, thoughts that or narratives that always seem to be popping up yeah and I'm not worthy often is a root cause belief I'm not valuable I'm a failure comes up Mm. some semblance of effing the patriarchy has come up in Mm -hmm. every single one of my clients and I think that was true for me and my story too was like Mm damn, this system sucks. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I can see that. (laughs) But it does, you know, like I think the medical system has never been set up for women to thrive. Yeah. I mean, I was reading an article years ago and it's like, yeah, most most drugs are trialed on men. Most surgeries are trialed on men because women are just too complicated. Yeah, we get the same drugs and they have the same surgeries. So like, how does that work? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's such an interesting concept as well. I think of this conscious mind and subconscious mind. And, and I think so many people will disregard those instantaneous thoughts because they they almost feel as if well I've not thought about that so how can that be true you know whereas I'm I want to be quick and to the point so I quite like my subconscious mind and I I quite like to just go with that yeah yeah (laughs) and it's amazing what doors open for you when you listen to that whisper right and and I think I think our deepest wisdom does tend to whisper versus shout at us Mm. until things get really bad and frankly when I started spotting in between cycles that was that became a shout my body was like enough is enough like you need to sort this out now and and our menstrual cycle is our fifth vital sign you know there are many things like I've always had cramps and you know I used to get really bad nausea and I'd throw up and I wouldn't be able to walk and I'd have migraines um and 
And equally, I was put on the pill for those sorts of things. But it is our body saying to us, something is not right. Your body is not setting out to be at war with you. It just wants to protect you and see you thrive. And how have we as a society become okay with the fact that pain is normal? Yeah. And expected. Yeah. 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 I I just, I don't have the answer to that. (laughs) And to, to move past, you know, the menstrual years and into menopausal years. And when you study cultures that still revere aging and the wisdom that comes through eldership. And as women come into that sort of higher place in society as a wise woman, as a crone, and those societies, those cultures that still maintain that, that ascension don't see things like hot flashes. They don't see things like, uh, you know, night sweats, memory issues, depression, because those women are valued in the society. But for us in Western society, we, our value goes down as we age. It's the opposite from wine, right? It's yeah, (laughs) exactly. Or like art. And also I think there is a, there is a clear disconnect in Western culture versus these cultures that still revere um, women as they age. There is still that community aspect there as well. So you aren't on your own. And I do fully and wholeheartedly believe that we as a society in the West have lost that community aspect because we are so far flung from where we were raised or where our families are now living. Um, And that is a real true purpose of this podcast is to create this community because we are like-minded women and we do have a desire to understand our body, to remember what our body already knows. Um, And that's why I love bringing women like yourself onto the podcast because it is that community building and hopefully we can continue to revere our women as we age, as I age. I'm 40 this year. So as I'm aging, I'm getting better with age is what I keep telling myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I turned 42 in a week, so that's all good. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. And so I think this is a, a beautiful um, point in the podcast to ask you what your period positive or period neutral story would be to share with the audience, to bring or to end on a positive note. Yeah. And I'm so glad I get to see this now because for years I didn't. And I would hear this from people in the menstrual hearing or healing positive period space. Like your period is such a gift. Like what a treasure. And I'd be like, it is the worst thing in my life. (laughs) And I will... I can now see that it is such, and I'm so glad I didn't choose the the definitive option and and lose my uterus and not have access to the precious gift that I get to experience every month. But I really do revel in our bodies and what they're able to do and accomplish. And I just, I just think, wow, like what a treasure this is. And I think of it as a cleanse. I think of it as a detox. You know, my body is shedding this thing. It doesn't need it anymore. I just, I really treasure the experience now. Yeah. And it is a beautiful one. And it is very difficult to connect with that when that one thing that you're supposed to be connecting with and being all super positive and like 
uber duper lovey over is causing you such discomfort and such a such challenges each month and if you're dreading that one thing how the heck can you be positive but the fact that you were that person and I was also that person the fact that we were that 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 person and we have been able to come out the other side due to remembering our body and listening to our body and tapping into what our body is trying to tell us we have been able to tap into that positive side of it or even just neutral side. I'm not saying that you have to love your period. Even if you can just accept it for what it is, I have done my job and I am so happy. Um, I will be obviously linking everything and all in all of the show notes. So where we can find you and those, those beautiful details, but do you want to tell us where you are just in case someone is really keen to go search on their phone now? Sure. Tanya, T-O-N-I-A, and it's Coach Tanya on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where I'm most active these days. And then Twitter at Coach Tanya NLP. And then my website's tanyawinchester.com. Fantastic. Well, I am definitely, I mean, I obviously already follow you on Instagram, but I'm going to look you up on LinkedIn because that's definitely something I don't tend to use as much. But I want to get as much Tanya Winchester as I can. So I'm going to go follow you on there if I can find you. Uh, Thank you so much, my love, for joining me today and sharing your story. It has been an honor and a pleasure to be able to hold witness and to hold space for you whilst you share a story that you haven't shared very often. So thank you so much for doing that with us and this wonderful community. Thank you. And thank you for opening up your platform for my story. And I really hope it's helpful for other women out there. It certainly will be. Have a great day. You too.